It is Friday, the 29th day of October, 2021, a day late, hundreds and hundreds of dollars short, um, behind because of uh, something called a bomb cyclone caused that wreaked, wreaked havoc uh, here in the Northeast. Um, it's not a bomb cyclone, but rather a bomb cyclone. You see what I'm saying? At any rate, down trees, down power lines everywhere. Electricity was out for roughly uh, 12 hours or so on Wednesday, um, which made for a wasted day for the most part, but what can you do? Uh, surrounding towns from here, 100% outages. Uh, I have friends in, in town that are still without power. Just awful. 90 mile an hour wind gusts in some parts of Massachusetts, uh, especially out on the Cape and the islands. Why am I giving weather reports, old weather reports for that matter, during a podcast? I'm terrible at this. Uh, another victim of the bomb cyclone was my plastic, poorly constructed Wayfair shed. Now, this is not a knock on Wayfair. They just, you know, it's a knock on who they choose to to do work with, which is, you know, any company with a, you know, pulse and an email address. I had stupidly hoped that this thing would, um, would weather any sort of... Uh, weather but it did not it failed miserably uh the biggest the bigger problem here is that i'm a mechanical numbskull and horrifically impatient so putting anything together properly is uh just something that your uh, host cannot do it's just and i say that thinking full well that i probably could if i simply follow directions and not been a patient an impatient mechanical numbskull so with this thing though I probably would have been better off taking the money and using it to line the cat's litter box but equally as useful in the end so on to the next I suppose uh, all that and literally way too much more on episode number 96 the 1996 episode Ah, yes, the mid-90s, time of carefree foolishness and fun, grunge, gangster rap, TRL, Seinfeld, Doritos 3Ds, actual malls, calling landlines to talk to people, video stores, record stores, OJ killing people, Captain Planet, Zach Morris, your disc man on the bus, Jenko Jeans, Red Dog, Zima, two burgers, fries, and a drink at Wendy's for $4.16, and literally so much more. Uh, this year marks the uh, 25th uh, anniversary, I guess, of my graduating from high school. Shout out to the Bridgewater Rainham Trojans. What up, class of 96? I'm not super prone to nostalgia, but it's fun to look back and reminisce on occasion at dumb things. Dumb things, which is pretty much everything that I listed there. So, uh, so here's to the 90s, the absolute best time, the absolute best decade in the history of man. Look it up. It's true. That's all right here, right now, on Complaints and Observations. Still, the most less-than-average podcast on the internet. With a host who's the smartest person in the room, when he's the only one there. A continuing odyssey into mediocrity. Guaranteed to make you question your life choices and your own sanity. This is complaints and observations. 
with Dave LaPointe. Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? Thank you, as always, Ken. Greatly appreciated. So, yeah, a day late uh, with the recording here. I know that, you know, nobody really gives a shit, so what does it matter? It doesn't. I just like to be prompt, you know? I like to be uh, consistent, I guess is the the best way to put it. So, Um, as I said in the open... Uh, way too much on my on my docket today, and as usual, none of it of any import. Um, just a lot of shit that that uh, you know that came up, and I said, "Ooh, that's interesting," and I might want to write that down. I wrote it down. A couple couple of interesting things right off the right off the top. Okay, this is going to be more of a. I know I've done all gripes oops all gripes before this is this could be oops all observations because sure i'm you know i mean complaining and not and in observing kind of go hand in hand when this program so but i think these are more uh observational points than anything else right off the top okay what is, <laughs> I almost did it, I was like, what is the deal? Why is it that companies love to say, it's not just companies, it's, you know, corporations, companies, uh, any sort of business or public, maybe not public figures, but let's just stick to corporations and businesses and whatnot. Why do they always use the term? Uh, our top priority for when it comes to like safety or quality or anything like that. When anybody with any sort of level of intelligence can figure out that whatever it is that they're claiming to be their top priority is is a is a flat out lie. Their top priority is their shareholders' profit, and that's it. Not getting sued. <laughs> that might be one. But that's it. So don't don't sit here and, and, and say that, you know, my safety or your employee's safety is is your top priority because it's not. Don't lie. Stop lying. And that goes for everybody. Just stop lying. It's not worth it. Life is too short to lie all the time. But boy, is that that's almost as bad as like when you're when you're in sales and you send an email that starts I hope this finds you well a PR company that puts out a statement that says such and such is our top priority is fucking lazy uh it's just lazy and nobody believes it that that's the other problem who the fuck actually reads something like that and says oh well then yep i'm sold my safety is definitely Facebook's top priority. No, no, it ain't. I read that in a newsletter the other day. Um, and I so I Googled like our top priority. And it's just page after page after page of press releases and public relations bullshit. It's like, good Lord, come up with a better fucking slogan or better fucking language slogan. What's the matter with you? Come up with some better language. I'm dragging ass here, aren't I? Jesus Christ. You know, the worst shows are the ones that you know are off the rails four minutes in. Four minutes into the show, I'm like, oh, Jesus. This is this is terrible already, and I'm just getting started. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and you know that I'm doing nothing when I go. Um, or you know that I'm 
completely fucking lost at sea. Um, or confused and or looking at my notes. I don't have the ability to to harvest silence. I can do it sometimes, but not often. <clears throat> uh, that one was fake. So another thing that came up the other day, uh, footballer Ander, Ander Herrera plays at PSG. The story goes that he was robbed by a prostitute who just happened to get to his car at a red light. And I've read this story from multiple different sources, and I still can't fucking believe it, that, that more has not been made about the bullshit. Allegedly, he had his wallet and his phone in plain view, had his uh, passenger side door unlocked, and was driving through a part of Paris that's notorious for prostituting. Like, I don't even think that's a, a word, prostituting. Hmm. I don't know. But the story goes is that the, the prostitute got into the car to try to steal the wallet and the phone. And this is where there's a gap because there's no sort of, there's no background into what happened after she got into the vehicle. My guess is a blowjob, but not according to the news. Nope. That part has been glossed over. Allegedly, he got the phone back. No, yeah, the phone? Yeah, he got the phone back, but didn't get the wallet back. Inside the wallet, exactly 200 euro. Which I'm going to guess is the price of a blowjob in the prostituting area of Paris, France. Fucking dudes. Like, dudes, what what are you doing? Of all the things, you know you're going to get in trouble. You know you're going to get caught, especially if you're a high-profile athlete. Like, I don't know. There has to be there has to be better, more discreet ways for that to go. I don't have that problem. Never will. And I, quite frankly, I'm pretty happy that I don't have that problem. Which is, I'm absurdly rich, very well known, and driving a nice car in a prostituting part of Paris, France. Odd. And that's not one of those, you know, good problems to have. It ain't. It ain't. If you are so desperate as a multi-multi-millionaire, like Mr. Herrera is, so desperate to get your rocks off that you have to pay someone to do it, you should probably pay more than $200. Just, just throwing it out there because that could probably come back and bite you in the ass. See, you know, an arrangement that's, you know, a couple grand, that one, that one might get, you know, be ignored. No one may ever know that one. Who knows? But it's weird. The dick makes dudes do some strange shit. That could be like the... That's the, the, the male motto. The dick makes dudes do strange shit. Be a hell of a t-shirt. So it's, you know, kind of old news at this point, but the 600th touchdown pass for Tom Brady uh, on Sunday. His idiot receiver, Mike Evans, gave the ball away. It became a big to-do about, uh, you know, Evans finally realizing that it was actually, you know, number 600 for old Tom. And he's like, oh, shit, I gave the ball away. Well, they tracked the guy down. The guy happened to be very nice, very, very nice fan, uh, agreed to give the ball back. And, you know, the Bucks agreed to... Um, you know, to, to compensate 
quote, unquote, compensate him. He received two, two signed jerseys plus a helmet from Brady. He signed Mike Evans' jersey plus the cleats that Evans wore in the game. I don't understand the game-worn cleat thing. What are you supposed to fucking do with those? Yeah, those are the cleats that Mike Evans wore. You're going to put them on your fucking bookcase, dude? All right, whatever. A $1,000 gift card to the Buccaneers team store. That's terrific. Uh, Buck season tickets for the remainder of this season and all of next. And then Tom Brady actually threw in one Bitcoin as well. I have a bunch of issues with this, all right? And it's not necessarily from the fan, okay? Big ups to this gentleman who was kind enough to, uh, to, to give it back to him. Which, in, you know, in reality, I would assume that most people would probably give the ball back at that point, right? But, you know, it was done in such a quick fashion that the guy didn't have any real time to sort of assess the situation, which was that he was now in possession of a fairly high-priced item. And I say fairly because... The numbers being thrown around are kind of subjective. Just like art. Just like art, sports memorabilia, subjective. It's all about someone's willing to pay. There are a lot of sports-related items that have sold over the years for astronomical sums of money. And this one probably would have been fairly popular, given the fact that Tom Brady is fairly popular. So this guy had in his hands, I let's let's be conservative, okay? And let's say that he could have sold that football for $100,000 to a collector. $100,000. That's not retail. That is, you know, what a collector uh, or a broker even would spend to get that ball and then put it up for auction or flip it to somebody else to make a profit. So let's just say conservatively $100,000. Now, obviously there, there would be some tax uh, implications there and whatnot. So he probably wouldn't actually get a hundred thousand, but if you look at it just with that number, what he received is pretty comparable, except, you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Okay. Like, the signed jersey, all right, that's cool. The signed helmet, okay, that's cool. Uh, but, I mean, everything else. Buck season tickets. How much the, what, what do those cost? 60 bucks a seat? Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Come on now. The Buck should have given him season tickets for the next 10 years. Would have cost you literally nothing. If you put him in, like, the middle of the building... Don't give him, like, primo seats. He was sitting in the end zone, for fuck's sake. But give him a little bit better uh, seats. It would have cost you 80 bucks a game. Stop. $1,000 to the Buccaneers team store. How many fucking t-shirts can a guy buy? <laughs> oh, man, I just spent just spent another 50 bucks at the team store. Yeah, I got the new hat. Oh, I only have 18 hats now. Fuck. What am I going to do when this gift card runs out? But the Bitcoin thing, the Bitcoin thing is what kind of frosts my balls. All right. If you've been paying any attention at all, Tom Brady uh, has been slinging a uh, cryptocurrency exchange company for a little while now. So my, my assumption is that this company is the one that's actually giving this guy the Bitcoin and not Tom Brady himself. Just pure speculation. But Tom Brady being the consummate marketer saw an opportunity or his people saw an opportunity and said, oh, we can use this to tie into the FTX sponsorship that we have. 
and I'm sure there'll be more of this made at some point. Um, considering there's no actual physical exchange of a Bitcoin, they're going to have to come up with something. And it wouldn't shock me if this kid is like in a commercial or something at some point, because clearly he'll just do anything that Tom Brady asked him to do. But the thing is, he could have probably done better had he held on to that ball. Let's say he holds on to the ball, takes it home, spends five minutes on Twitter, and sees all of these people uh, in you know, reasonable professions that do this type of thing, saying, uh, especially one guy, <clears throat> it was on a Sportico article, and the guy said, I could, I could call two people right now and get half a million bucks for that ball. I don't think he's telling the truth, but whatever. Let's cut that in half. Now it's a quarter mil. That's life-changing money for a lot of people, myself included. A quarter mil right from the jump. Like, that's, 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 that's unbelievable. And for a football that he just happened to be handed by accident. But the media is saying, oh, it was a pretty generous offer. Not really. I don't, I don't see the benefit in uh, Mike Evans' memorabilia. He probably won't even be on the team next year. So what the fuck's the point? The Bucks kind of cheaped out on the season tickets. I'd be kind of pissed. I'd be like, Wait, you're only giving me one season plus three games here? Like, what, What's going on, Bucks? Do better. But whatever, it's a toilet bowl of a franchise to begin with. So, And Tom Brady is way too good for that, for that franchise. Way too good. Way too good for the city. <laughs> hey, do you think Tom Brady's ever set foot in, uh, in Mons Venus, the world's, the world's most famous gentleman's club? Hmm. I mean, it's right near where he plays his games. I wonder if he's ever been there. Be nice if somebody asked him that question. Hey, Tom, what do you think of Mons Venus? I'd love to hear his answer because he gets all flustered. Oh, I've never been there. I have no idea. What are you talking about? And then it's a giggle, giggle, chuckle, chuckle, and everybody forgets. And then somebody finally catches on and says, What the fuck? Tom Brady spends a ton of time at Mons Venus. Dun, dun, dun. Not really. That that probably wouldn't happen. But he would probably be awkward as fuck. <laughs> he would be awkward as hell, wouldn't he? Oh, he absolutely would be. Because it's a two-drink minimum, I believe. Tom Brady with two drinks. Whew. Apparently he had four drinks on the... The boat parade there, and he he was legless. Football stadiums are, are a weird place. Um, my brother made a good point on Sunday at the Jets game that Gillette is full of storytellers, and I hadn't really thought of it. But then once he said that, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. You're in a place where, you know, it's not a, it's not super expensive to get in, in reality. You know, it's not life-changing money to get into Gillette Stadium, but it seems that a lot of people that do go in there feel the need to uh, boost their bona fides, if you will, no matter what. So Sunday, we happened to be standing um, in the standing room section. We didn't go up to our seats because uh, we just didn't want to hire a Sherpa to get up there. But the place was half empty. It was it was actually quite pleasant compared to the, the previous two games where it was like fucking Thunderdome. And so we're standing there, and all of a sudden this guy sidles up to my right. He's drinking. He just starts, just starts talking because he's shit-faced. But he just starts talking. And he starts saying about, talking about how his dad, which 
is just a a real pathetic way to start a story. Well, my dad has this. It's like, okay, buddy. He's he's pointing out his dad's season tickets in the one hundreds, but he also has four four uh, seats in section three sixteen. And he goes, you know what the worst part is? It's row seventeen. I'm like, oh well. Uh, I'm up in row twenty, so you can go fuck off. <laughs> But, you know, and then he proceeds to tell stories about how, oh, well, I paid the first time I ever went here, I paid 4500 bucks for the whole season in, in the 200s, in the red seats. I'm like, oh, fuck off. I have a bunch of car dealerships, so I just bring clients. Oh, fucking A. But then I would, you know, sometimes pay like 1500 bucks for an extra seat. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go. This went on for a solid 20 minutes, maybe even longer. It's like, what's, you know, it's just odd when you're in that sort of setting and everyone's shit-faced that, that so many people love to fucking tell stories. Because you can't... It's a, it, My mother calls them five-minute friends, Okay. So this guy's a five-minute friend, and you cannot verify anything that's coming out of his mouth. Nor you, do, nor do you really care. Well, it makes it makes good fodder for shitty podcasts. But boy, oh boy, was that odd! And I just, I never really thought of it. And then I started thinking about all the times I've just kind of run into random people there, and it's a very similar uh, experience where they just love to talk about something other than the football game. Like, buddy, I'm here to try to watch the game. I care about watching the game. If you want to talk about that, have at it. That's fine. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just attract fucking weird people. That could be it. I don't know. You would think I would have more listeners if I could attract weird people, but nope, not the case. Uh, that's two musical sound effects in one segment. Oh, boy. Not good. So if you bother to listen through the entirety of the program, you know that at some point I always say fuck Facebook. Uh, for a variety of reasons, but... Um, First and foremost is that, you know, Facebook has turned into a uh, a bastion of misinformation and misleading bullshit and uh, the kind of place that just is not something that I want to spend my, uh, my time in anymore. And look, it's not just me, it's others, but there are a lot of people that still use it uh, quite a bit. Um, and that's the way it is. It's well within your... Rights is not the right word, but if that's what you want to do, if you if that's how you want to spend your time, that's fine. I don't begrudge you for it. <clears throat> but as I'm heard, uh, as I'm uh, sure you've heard, uh, there was a uh, a big reveal last week of the uh, the woman who leaked uh, a handful of internal documents that have been dubbed the Facebook Papers by uh, very very clever media outlets. And it kind of led me to to think to a a very <laughs> a way too uh, deep and heavy question for a uh, stupid fucking show like this. But why is fear so effective in modern society, and not just in modern media and or or modern politics, but is in society as a whole? So obviously, those two things are uh, you know key players in the whole thing, but. I would say that currently sex always sells, all right? But it's a distant second to fear. Because once you make someone afraid of something, they're going to perseverate and think about that constantly. It's just it's how fear works. It's how the brain works. Um, you know, it's if you think back to <laughs> listen to me, if you think back to ancient times, you think back to um, you know, evolution as, as humans 
uh, evolved over time. Uh, they they began to learn uh, to stay away from, from certain things. So, for example, the the you know the hungry lion that was chasing somebody through through the desert or some I don't know some fucking you get you get my point. You evolve, you become fearful of things, and that fear is very very powerful. So, let's say you're walking through the woods, and you know that this particular plot of land uh, is inhabited by a poisonous snake. That poisonous snake is always going to be on your mind, in most people's mind, and it's going to play a big part in how you navigate uh, through that particular uh, forest or jungle or whatever. You see what I'm saying? I hope you see what I'm saying. If you don't, well, fuck, I'm screwed. But it's that fear that, that you perseverate on and think about the whole time. It's not so much you know, the, the next step in front of you, it's the fear about what's around the corner or what's, you know, at the end of the path or, or something like that, which may not be anything because you don't know. That's the, that's the thing about not knowing. You don't know. Fear is all about how you react to it. And the thing with Facebook is it's taken, it's taken that very primal feeling and it's, it's monetized it in some way. So Facebook and the Facebook papers, basically these, uh, the leaks essentially said that Facebook knew full well what it was doing uh, in terms of fomenting negativity and uh, misinformation in the sake of profit. Downplayed... Um, all kinds of warnings and red flags that came up internally of the sometimes uh, very harmful consequences that its top secret algorithms would would uh, create. And I talked about this in brief last week or the week prior. Who knows? I lose track of these things. But it's these contributions to a fearful society that enables Facebook and basically any other outlet of information. This shit show of a program notwithstanding. To feed into that fear and give that feel fearful society more and more. It is the one thing that each uh, very, very fearful person uh, seems to need in order to survive. And that's to be afraid of everything that's around the corner. The downside with current society is that there's a growing number of charlatans who are acutely aware of this. And they're doing whatever it is to become wealthy in the process and will continue to grow and exploit their following. Now, of course, I'm as the, uh, the center left, um, you know, person that I am. I like to think that I am, am sort of cognizant of uh, the role that this sort of plays in, in current modern day politics, especially in this country, more so than most countries that aren't a quote unquote democracy. But you have a lot of these fucking bad actors all over the place. And like today, Tucker Carlson comes out with this video about something that he's doing on November 1st. And it's like, what on fucking planet Earth is this guy talking about? I, I you know, honestly, I watched it once. I'll never watch it again, because quite frankly, uh, the amount of just pure bullshit that was in this video that is only meant to fucking scare the people that watch his program. There's another guy, Charlie Kirk, who is prominent on uh, on Facebook and on social media in general. And he's got a couple of podcasts and a, a website. He had a, a rally in Idaho. He was taking questions from, from the audience. And a gentleman stands up in, uh, in a dead serious, and he, he made it a point to say to Charlie Kirk multiple times, I'm serious about what I'm about to say. This is going to sound crazy, but I'm deadly serious. And in reference to, to the left, whoever that is, that's the thing. They don't, anytime this comes up, there's never anything specific. It's always the liberals or the left. 
It's a straw man. But the gentleman says, when do we get the guns? This is tyranny. When do we get to kill these people? It's like, in what sort of civilized society would that would that not uh, elicit uh, immediate response from, I don't know, anyone else in the audience or uh, law enforcement? Like, what are we doing? Maybe not even those two. How about a fucking psych eval? But it was, it, I mean, this was the other day. This was over the weekend, I'm pretty sure, in Idaho. And, and you know, you could kind of see uh, the host of, of the event, Charlie Kirk, as I mentioned, just kind of recoil a little bit like, oh, fuck. Because he tried to downplay it and he tried to sort of reel this guy in and the guy wasn't having it. Because he's already so afraid of what he has, he just doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's afraid of. He's just afraid of something. And it's that, it's that persistent fear that has gripped this guy and so many others. Just afraid of, of any sort of, you know, perceived boogeyman that's thrown in front of them. And it's just, it's constantly fed where, where, it's almost as if they don't think they could properly govern if there isn't something to be afraid of. Because there's always a fucking boogeyman. Think about it. Like, growing up was always a boogeyman. Always something. Like, the fucking Cold War was in... Two sides of the planet had a boogeyman. It's the fucking monster in your closet that isn't really there. And it's nonstop. It never fucking stops. And it'll, it'll never stop. But what happens on social media and the internet, Facebook specifically, is that shit that's happening on the other side of the planet or even the country that's not likely to have any sort of effect on you whatsoever is being positioned in, in into a, a local problem, which is part of the problem. So I talked about CRT briefly, critical race theory, which is it's, it's a college-level uh, curriculum that has never been taught by um, any teacher or professor anywhere in the country other than in a, in a graduate studies program or a law school somewhere at a university or college. Yet, the right has taken this and has made everyone so afraid that, so, that kids are going to find out that slavery was bad. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like terrorism. Terrorism is a terrible thing. But the odds of, of it happening anywhere are, are unbelievably slim. And the, the I read a great article about ISIS. And how the best thing about ISIS had nothing to do with, with their soldiers or their weapons. It was their fucking media relations department that basically uh, fed the planet this idea that ISIS was this uh, unbelievable, strong, uh, paramilitary sort of outfit that was going to uh, destroy the planet when it was uh, relatively weak, low numbers, uh, not very well financed, but, you know, they had the internet. And so they could spread... Any kind of fucking bullshit they wanted anywhere, and people were going to lap it up because they needed to be afraid of, afraid of something. And I think that's part of how Donald Trump got elected. Is that he put all these all these boogeymen in front of in front of everyday average Americans and told them to be afraid. He played into the anxiety about global threats that may or may not have existed. And his entire legitimacy was partially dependent upon many of those threats being perceived as real. Making people believe that they were afraid of something that they didn't know anything about. And it's not a fixable problem. 
How could it be? I mean, if let's say the government acts and does something where they they restrict speech on the internet or some shit, I don't know. Or they shut down this uh, particular media outlet or whatever. The overreach would probably cause way more problems than it's worth. And then the the provide the providers of, of all this uh, this fear mongering will never realize the error of their ways, and they'll, they'll never stop and say, "Well, you know, Rupert Murdoch's not going to wake up one day and say, oh, geez, I'm terribly sorry for Fox News.' Terribly sorry. I didn't I didn't mean any of that. Sorry, taking it all down, and and that's it. Sorry, we're done. That'll never happen." It's going to take uh, some single entity to cut through all the noise and try to reach people on a human level if one still exists. And that's the problem because, you know, bad news spreads way faster than good news because fear is way more powerful, way, way, way more powerful. And this coming from a fucking uh, dumb know-nothing like, I, you know, what the fuck? What am I talking about? I don't fucking know anything, but I'd like to think that I can see through some of this bullshit and figure out what it is. Which makes me wonder why so many other people can't. And, you know, did, did something happen in their life where they, they're generally uh, afraid of everything? Well, maybe. It's entirely possible. I don't know. But it's depressing. And then here you have Facebook. You have Zuck. Zuck comes up. He's like, no, we, we, you know, this isn't us. We didn't do any of this. Well, these, you know, the Facebook papers are saying otherwise. So what does Zuck do today? Zuckerberg comes out and says, we're changing the name of Facebook, the company. It's going to be called Meta. M-E-T-A, Meta. So moving forward, it's fuck Meta. But this fucking guy... You know, it's like, oh, we're, we're moving into the metaverse, which is, uh, you know, a, a, a dumb word for uh, trying to make people not be social anymore so that they can only connect virtually. And the video that he fucking put out, he is such a stiff fuck. Oh, it's brutal. Honestly, it's fucking brutal. And he's like, you know, well, now people can meet and, and shop and connect. Like, how is it you're sitting in a chair with a fucking uh, virtual reality mask on? How is that connecting? I'm telling you, Pixar fucking knew what they were doing when they put out, um, what was that, Wally with the little fucking trash robot collecting shit on Earth and all the people were in a spaceship and uh, they, they didn't do anything. They just sat around and stared at screens all day. Yeah, they fucking nailed it because... That's what Zuckerberg wants because he's going to make a bunch of money and he, then he can go fucking water skiing with a flag like a fucking douchebag. <laughs> Don't be afraid of shit. The only, the only, and, and, ah, boy, FDR, again, he's in a, he had it right too. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. It's not the actual problem. It's all in how you react to it. That's it. If you don't give it any thought, it's not you're not going to be afraid of it. It's that simple. So take it from me. A know nothing with a shitty podcast. <laughs> Who literally just needs something to do. This is going to feel like I'm picking on pregnant women again. But I assure you. Okay, maybe this time I am. Why, why does every single picture of a pregnant woman uh, have to have a hand on her belly? Whether it's hers or someone else's. Every single one. I don't get it. Okay, yes, we can tell you're pregnant. I mean... <laughs> Is the kid, like, fucking doing somersaults in there and you're concerned and that's why it's there? I don't know. I don't get it. Um, 
Alec Baldwin out here killing folks, huh? Certainly not his fault, but um, the debate going around was about, you know, gun safety on on movie sets. And it got me thinking, why is there anything other than blanks in a fucking gun on a movie set? And then to top it off, why would you have anyone other than, you know, someone who's, I don't know, a certified expert. It's probably a dumb way to put it, but someone who's actually used to using a gun in certain situations, handle a gun. It's a, yeah, I don't get it. And so now you have a poor woman who's dead because apparently the person who's in charge of the gun was kind of a sloppy fuck to begin with. And a couple of years ago, I've been told to, uh, you know, cut the shit more or less. Apparently it was some sort of lead, uh, I guess, bullet really. They pulled one out of out of the. It was like an associate producer on set that he, he he got it too. He didn't die, but fuck, I just you know I don't dislike Alec Baldwin. A lot of people hate his guts because he's opinionated and a lefty. But uh, boy, you really you can't wish that on anybody. To fucking like. You got no idea what's going on with this weapon. You pull the trigger, something comes out, and it kills somebody. It's like, holy fuck. That is a mind fuck and a half. I feel bad for him. I really do. Last week, I had to go to a wake. An extended family member passed away. She was a wonderful woman. She will be missed. My dear mother uh, attended the wake with myself and my brother. And it just so happened to be that this uh, funeral home was the same uh, that um, had a, a service for my dad when my father passed away. And so as we're leaving the uh, the funeral home. My mother suddenly stops on the way out and starts to talk to the funeral director and says, uh, how much is a cremation? Naturally, the gentleman was very polite because all these guys are polite. I mean, they are 24-7 salespeople funeral directors. They are trying to make the best impression they can all the time, every day, every minute, so that when you die, you'll be made up and put in a box by this guy. So he was super nice and very polite. But I had to ask, I said, Ma, what the fuck? You? I didn't say what the fuck. I didn't say that. I said, Ma, what on earth are you doing? Well, I just want to know. I'm like, well, okay, you could call like a normal person. Like you're at somebody else's wake and you're asking how much a cremation is. Well, I gotta, I gotta be ready, you know. I thought she had already taken care of that. Apparently I was wrong. But good grief, what are we doing? She's, she's good for a couple of, a couple moments like that, you know, every now and again. But what can you do? All right. Yeah. As it is, well, Friday, uh, it is time for three gripes. Gripe number one. Is there a question on the motorcycle license test that just asks, are you going to ride this like an asshole? Because I would, I would venture a guess. I would say, boy, 75 to 80% love to drive like an asshole when they're on those fucking things. Full disclosure, I don't like motors. I don't care for motorcycles. I don't like them. Um, just not my thing, all right? 
but I, I just, I, I am, I am so confused every time I come up on a bunch of them. And that's to me, a bunch of, of motorcycles is more than one. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe I'm just nervous that, you know, they're going to do something stupid and I'm going to see them like with their fucking face splattered against the pavement or some shit. I don't know. Maybe that's an irrational fear that I have and that I need to get over. But I just don't understand it. Like, and, Or maybe they just have an innate sense that this person in the car uh, is a little skittish about motorcycles being around their vehicle. Maybe that's it. Or maybe they are just all assholes. I don't know. But man, is that the impression that I get? And it's entirely unfair. Entirely unfair. I am so aware of that. But man, the other day I'm driving and there was, uh, it was probably about 8.30 at night and there were two of them behind me. So it's a bunch. Two of them behind me. I get up to a uh, a red light and this fuck, they, they're both like, Literally right at my bumper. I was so tempted to like pop the hatchback and open it up and say, you boys want to get in? Like what, what, for what fucking reason do you need to be that close to my vehicle? For what fucking reason? There isn't one. There's literally no reason. And then it's, then it's the noise. Like, look, my, my hearing is shot to shit as it is. So then when I hear these fucking loud noises, it's kind of startling. But it's only, it's only a look at me thing. You don't need to fucking sit there and rev your engine when you're sitting behind somebody in traffic or when you're, uh, you know, <laughs> across the street in your garage. <laughs> it's not needed. It's fucking pointless. Why are you doing it? Yeah, it's entirely self-serving. It's entirely look at me. It's entirely... Um, a, I want to be seen, but what, what, where does that come from? What is that? What is that? That's weird. It's odd. It's a, it's a very, um, it's not selfish is not the right word, but self-centered probably where, you know, you're on that bike by yourself, so it's all about you. You know? Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but I don't like them. And so why? It's... Ugh. Gripe number two. Why is it that when people do something shitty and they have to quit their job or resign that they cite the need to, uh, the desire, I should say, to spend more time with their family? I get it. It's a convenient way out. But what I need, I need someone, I need a bulldog journalist to actually spend the time, find all these people that said that they were going to spend more time with their family, and then actually make sure that they're spending time with their family. Imagine you're a politician. You get caught in some random scandal. Who knows? Iran, Contra, Watergate, blowjobs, whatever. And, and you decide that, you know, that's it, I'm out. You put out a statement. I've resigned so that I could spend more time with my family. What would that guy or girl uh, who resigned do if someone knocked on their door? So oh, I'm just here to check and see how much time you're actually spending with I think that would make one hell of a story. Actual journalism. Find out what's going on at home. How much, just how much more time are these people spending after they've resigned? And it's funny, a Google search of that phrase, resigned to spend more time with his family or her family, brings up all kinds of shit. Like the pitching coach from the Colorado Rockies a couple days ago. Resigning to spend more time with his family. The, um, a guy 
who uh, resigned uh, recently from the Indiana State House uh, a couple years ago, resigned to spend more time with his family. Now he's going to run for governor of Indiana. So obviously that was bullshit. Uh, the leader of the GOP in, in the Utah House has resigned to spend more time with his family. Need to start knocking on doors, journos, and make sure that that's what these people are actually fucking doing. Because it's a giant cop-out. Everybody knows it's a cop-out. But again, it kind of goes back to the, the very beginning of the show when I was like, uh, safety is our top priority. No, it ain't. And that's not why you're really fucking resigning. You're resigning because you got caught. Just say it. What At that point, what do you have to fucking lose? If you've done something wrong, okay, just say, look, uh, I'm out. I got caught. See you later. That's it. Because you're probably not going to spend any more time with your family because, you know, if you've done something shitty, your wife's probably going to take the kids and beat feet and get the fuck out of there. Spend time with your family. You probably don't even fucking like your family. It's a general you. Straw man. Gripe number three. And for probably the... I'd say at least third time, but probably more. Parents. Apparently, Massachusetts youth hockey currently has a severe shortage of referees because, in part, of the shitty behavior of parents. You may have seen this already, you may have uh, heard about this uh, through the grapevine and various, uh, you know, local, Boston local uh, news outlets. But somehow... Not sure, not sure of this number, but this is the one that's being reported a lot. Uh, that Mass Hockey has about 900 fewer referees now than it did before COVID. 900? I don't think it's that high, but whatever. And then, of course, since the start of the season, there's already been several, quote, troubling incidents, end quote, according to Mass Hockey. One official needed a police escort after a game. Of eight-year-olds. A police escort. From an eight-year-old's hockey game. One referee quit in the middle of a series of games because of harassment from parents. Another parent tried to get onto the ice to attack a referee. A parent went into the scorer's box to, to yell at an opposing player because of a penalty committed against her kid. I don't think it's just hockey, per se. As a young boy, yours truly, uh, spent some time umpiring uh, you know, Little League Baseball. So I was probably 13, 14 years old, and I'm umpiring um, you know, games for 9, 10, 11-year-old kids. Didn't happen often where parents would be shitty, but it, you know, it would happen. Not, not to this extent. And it, it makes me wonder, okay, how much longer are, are people going to put up with this shit before they just stop letting parents uh, attend these games? Because what are the parents going to do? Like not fucking have their kid play hockey? Bullshit. Bullshit. If the choice is, hey, your kid doesn't play or you don't watch, what's it going to be? Yeah, your ass is staying home watching over fucking Zoom or some shit. Which is what's going to happen eventually because you're going to have some league who gets so fucking tired and fed up of this shit that in order to, in order for a fucking uh, rando person to officiate a fucking hockey game that kids are playing, not just hockey, but any fucking sport. And and probably get paid 25, 50 bucks to deal with your shit. 
Like, just get over yourselves. Honestly. Let the fucking kids play and be done with it. But, oh, man. It, it, I don't know if hockey is the worst just because I don't have any sort of... Um, I don't have any sort of first-hand knowledge of that because I didn't play hockey, so I don't know. But I wonder if it's like an entitlement thing because the sport's expensive and you're constantly paying for, you know, new equipment, ice time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe that's what it is. But it's like... At what point, at what point do we start to think uh, that, you know, when you see, well, I shouldn't even say that's a dumb question because it's it's true. When kids act out, it's probably because their parents suck. I mean, it's pretty easy. But um, boy, oh boy, imagine being, imagine being that kid, okay, when your mother comes out onto the ice to yell at a fucking ref. Imagine being that fucking kid. Because now, now you're, you've got this attached to you for the rest of your fucking life. For the rest of your life, it's going to be, oh, remember, dude, remember when your mom came on the fucking ice, dude? It, it doesn't go away. It'll never go away. And like, does, does that parent give a fuck? I mean, what, what's the end game here? What's the goal? What's the goal of fucking Mrs. Johnson getting on the ice and going after fucking Timmy the referee. What's she going to do if she gets to him? And then what? What is it? Does she think that he's going to, you know, reverse his decision because this fucking sociopath is, is, uh, you know, walking out onto the ice? No, no fucking way. Boy, it's just like the fucking chemical uh, buildup and the chemical makeup, I should say, of your brain when you procreate obviously changes because there's, there's literally no common sense in quite a few of you people. And I don't understand it. And I never will understand it. I don't get it. Fucking police escort for referees to leave an eight year old hockey game. Come on. What the fuck are we doing? That's it for the show. This one went on long. I apologize, but I told you I was upfront about this that it was going to take a while. And sure enough, it took a while. Um, still hoping to uh, to get some voicemails. 617-657-4736. Call in. Say hi. Tell me I suck. Have a question. Have a take. Have a take and move on. Uh, still trying to work something out as we approach episode number 100. Hashtag road to 100. Um, it was uh, suggested by uh, associate producer Dave that I try to take phone calls in a live fashion. I don't, uh, I don't know if that's possible. I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but... Uh, that requires some legwork on my part, and uh, I'm pretty fucking lazy, so I don't know. But if you have an idea, let me know. 617-657-4736. 617-65-RIP-EM. Uh, I have a Twitter page, at ComplaintsPod. I have an Instagram page, also at ComplaintsPod. I have a meta page, but fuck meta. I have a YouTube page that I haven't done anything with. I have an email address, showmail at complaintsandobservations.com. And there's a website, complaintsandobservations.com. It does have a blog on it that I've occasionally written on. Check it out. Check it out, man. Lord, I was born a traveling man. Traveling man? Ugh, Jesus, David. It was a bad joke to begin with, and then I... It's not even a joke. <laughs> uh, that's the Freedom Rock commercial for all you non-olds. Fuck. Oh, boy. I am so terrible at this. What am I doing? 
All right, that's it. Listen, tell your friends, tell your moms, please. Uh, I implore you, take care of yourself, and please take care of each other. Godspeed. Ta-ta.